and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna, and in today's episode, we're discussing Book 3, Chapter 4, Treebeard, discussing causes in community. Ellen. Anna. In this chapter, (laughs) we learn that the Ents do not like to be roused. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, do you know anybody who does not like to be roused, but perhaps when roused are quite fearful? Do you mean uh, aside from our father, or am I supposed to think of another person? (laughs) Uh, He did come to mind. Yes, he was. (laughs) He was the person I was thinking of as well. (laughs) Yes. mm, Very steady in personality. Mm -hmm. Only seen angry like once or twice in the many decades. Mm -hmm. Well, the two the two and a half decades that I've known. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say in almost three decades, I also have had that experience where mm-hmm. it's not angry I or even like roused. Yeah. Often. <laughs> He's a pretty even keeled, mm-hmm. pretty even keeled dad. Steady as a rock. That's right. That's a song, right? I didn't just make that up. No, you did not just make <laughs> that up. That is absolutely a song. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Who came to your mind when thinking of tree beards or ants in your own life? Well, I would say both our father, mm-hmm. um, but also my partner, who mm. we very cleverly nicknamed Treebeard, mm-hmm. is is a very challenging person to rouse. It does not happen very often where he's very like animated or energetic is often not something used to describe him he's Mm -hmm. also a very kind of even keeled very steady individual so i got the sense that perhaps he he would not like to be roused in an ent kind of fashion Mm -hmm. well shout out to all the ents out there who saw themselves in this chapter these are i think some of the most beloved creatures in this whole trilogy so i'm excited that we finally get to meet them and see a little bit more about who they are what they are we love treebeard there is so much information packed into this chapter i didn't Mm -hmm. quite realize how long it was and it is almost exclusively a deep dive into like and culture and language and it, it was really quite a, an interesting world-building chapter, for sure. Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, so before we get into the events of the chapter, uh, did you bring a story for us today around causes? I did. We're going to go get in the time machine and um, go back to high school. So get ready, everybody. When I was in high school, most of my friends were gay. Almost all of them. So I identified really strongly as an ally and, you know, with the cause of LGBTQ equality. But as a high schooler, I didn't really have a great idea on how to action that. So I joined this club called Gay Straight Alliance, GSA. And besides watching The Birdcage after school, Our main annual activity was to participate in the annual Day of Silence. So the Day of Silence is this day that happens every year where you are supposed to 
be quiet and not speak for the whole day in honor of and in solidarity with those in the LGBTQ community whose voices are not heard. But I didn't really understand that as a teen, to be honest, and didn't have that explainer of what the day was. So in my eyes, this was a day to show solidarity with my friends, wear some matching t-shirts, and then make a bit of a scene at the end of the day where we would all hold hands and scream in the hallway to break the silence. Worth noting here, we were all theater kids and we loved making a scene. I wanted a way to show that I supported this cause and was a part of this community even though I didn't really get the assigned action or what we were doing. And I thought of this story today because I wondered as I was reading this chapter how many Ents supported the cause of the trees and valued their identity as part of the forest or as part of the Ent community but didn't entirely understand what was expected of them in storming Isengard or even why they were choosing that specific action as a community. That is a really interesting question. And I think one that is really worth exploring, especially in this day and age where there are a number of causes that really need a lot of attention and, Mm -hmm. you know, that someone is really devoted to and monitoring for um, a lot of different causes. An activist. Right. I think one of the things that's really important to consider is while the energy around the cause is enough to get you motivated, to get you started, it's often not what sustains a really quality commitment to a community because sometimes and maybe this is true of some of the Ents, it can be a very self-serving space to commit to a cause because you believe in it and there's a little bit of status that comes along with, you know, a do-gooder and a do-writer until doing threatens your own safety. And I think that's really where the rubber meets the road as far as allyship goes. Yeah, definitely. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but having the commitment to the community is first and foremost, I think, why and people commit to the cause. Or maybe that's just how I think of things. I tend to align more with causes that I know that people I love are a part of. Maybe this is revealing that I, I'm a go-with-the-flower activist, but I do think that I'm more mm-hmm. I'm more committed to causes if I know that it affects people that I love or if people that I love feel passionately about it. Just how I found myself in, mm-hmm. in GSA. I was like, this means a lot to my friends. And so it means a lot to me now. Well, I think that's important. And I know Brian Stevenson, who's a famous civil rights lawyer, right? He talks about proximity to people as a way to be invested because you do not see a community as a monolith, but instead you have a personal story and a shared experience perhaps with someone that will endure beyond, say, the trend of or the spotlight being on a movement when that moves away you know, that relationship is what sustains your commitment. And I do wonder about our friends, the Ents, you know, how might they be challenged in really sticking with the movement, the action, 
after all of this kind of comes to pass when we've seen in their history even that there have been some challenges in really sustaining action and people or the trees I should say going mm-hmm. dormant. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on that in my examples for today. So how about you share with us what happened in the chapter so we can start diving into the the juicy goodness of chapter four. Okay, real briefly, here's what happened in the chapter. Mary and Pippin stop and sit a spell in the Fangorn Forest. They climb a staircase up a stony-faced cliff, and then they are met by a creature who we learn ultimately is an Ent, whose name is Treebeard. Treebeard assesses Mary and Pippin, attempting to determine if they are threats or not. Mary and Pip are, and Treebeard seems to have familiarity with Gandalf, and so Mary and Pip inform him of what's happened thus far on their journey. And then later, when Treebeard takes them to his home, then they share more about their journey thus far. Treebeard is aware of Saruman and willing to join the fight against him. He describes a little bit about how the Ent wives were lost. And then ultimately, Treebeard, Merry, and Pippin go to the Entish Council, which I love, is called the Ent Moot. Three days pass while the Moot discusses what to do. And then the Ents decide to go to war to Isengard. Hrum, hum, hum. <laughs> Sorry, that was just really good and I loved that. <laughs> Thank you for that added color. Okay. <laughs> um, the forest is then going to join them in their war effort. And ultimately, the chapter ends with the Ents arriving at the Valley of Saruman. Did you love the end speech throughout this and all of the room tatatum and harumphing, basically? I did. <laughs> I wanted to include it because it makes it sound like these are all like, I- I'm going to play into a stereotype here, but I just imagine them to be like kind of old British gentlemen being like, <laughs> as they hang out in this end meet. I mean, that's kind of the vibe. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I love everything about Treebeard. Mm-hmm. And thank you for pretty succinctly going through a ton of material in that chapter. It is thick. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. A lot to dig through. A lot of it is really interesting and I think provides some really needed nuance to why mm-hmm. things take the time that they do and to shape some of our characters. But I didn't include that uh, just because it didn't feel key to understanding what happened in the chapter, but absolutely so, so interesting. Quick sidebar, my favorite part of this that is not in the movie Mm -hmm. is seeing Treebeard's house. I love how they describe Treebeard's house here and how he goes and cools down by just standing under the waterfall like, oh, hold on, I got a little little heated there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he can't like really bend. And yes. so he just kind of lays down on the bed, <laughs> <laughs> like stick straight, literally. I think yes. that's so amusing. Mm-hmm. But sleep standing up, of but, course. Right, right. Okay, so that's, in summary, what happened mm-hmm. in this chapter. I'm excited to hear what your examples are. Are you ready to, to cover those for us? I am, yes. 
The first example that I saw was on page 67. And this is when Pippin and Mary are meeting Treebeard. And they're still not entirely sure what his deal is, which side is he on, etc. They ask at the top of the page, quote, Would you think it rude if we asked what you are going to do with us and which side you are on? And did you know Gandalf? And that quote, they're really showing that they want to ensure that Treebeard is aligned with their cause before they divulge anything important or, you know, go with him. Although they don't have a lot of choice because he's holding them. But they they want to know where he lands. I love that they ask if it's rude as though... There is some negotiation there, but it's also deeply comical when you think about the fact that he is holding them, as you noted. And they're like, would it be rude if we asked you just a few questions about whether you're um, aligned with quick, evil? Quick question here. <laughs> just need to While do a quick have background check about this. <laughs> yes, that is the vibe. And because he's Treebeard, he doesn't answer them for another almost 10 pages. Mm-hmm. So my next quote is on page 75. And this one, I think, is a famous quote because it did make its way into the movie. So a lot of people know it. Treebeard says, quote, I am not altogether on anybody's side because nobody is altogether on my side. If you understand me, nobody cares for the woods as I care for them. And this is Treebeard sharing that he really views that he is alone in this cause. There is nobody else out there who cares the way that he does for these trees. I mean, he is the forest. He is Fangorn. And he's like, this is me. I am solo. I have no allies. And so I am nobody's ally. And so now getting into what you were talking about in our pre-theme discussion, On page 77, Treebeard is talking about the different Ents and the original Ents, sort of of the OG three who are left, which is himself, Fangorn, Thinglass, and Faldrif, which is their elvish names, but we can call them Leaflock and Skinbark, which I hate the word Skinbark, but... Yeah, agreed. That's how I feel about it. And it doesn't sound very, like, old or distinguished in the way that this forest really does. It's like, and here's skin bark. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. We have tree beard and leaf lock and skin bark. Mm -hmm. Not my favorite. But he's, he's talking about these three and how one of them, skin bark, lived on the mountain slopes west of Isengard and that that is where really the worst of all the trouble has been happening because it's so close to Saruman. And then he says, quote, He was wounded by the orcs, and many of his folk and his tree herds have been murdered and destroyed. He has gone up into the high places among the birches that he loves best and will not come down. And so this quote to me is interesting because he, Skinbark, has the community draw. He has that impetus. The people that he, the trees that he loved most have been affected the most, but he still doesn't want to come down and participate in this cause. What do you make of that? I think he, to me, that feels very protective and also a mm-hmm. bit fatalist. So perhaps Skinbark is thinking there is no outcome to this, perhaps mm-hmm. has done some resource assessment, not unlike Treebeard and gone, 
I don't see other people showing up for us. I am, you know, perhaps most proximate to the danger. And so I don't foresee an outcome where I can live comfortably and safely in community with folks. And so I will assure my own safety and withdraw from as much as I possibly can. If we can apply human psychology to an end, I think that's a very rational step to take in that you Mm -hmm. are realizing your circle of control is perhaps only you in the conflict. But what we lose in that, if everybody makes that decision, then there is no collective to resist some of these really big or to impact really big change. So we really ask a lot when we say join this cause because sometimes it means operating outside of your own self-interest in the immediate to improve something long-term. I think you could also argue that he doesn't have really self-interest in this anymore because his trees have already been destroyed, Mm -hmm. whereas Fangorn, Treebeard, still has a lot of trees left. Skinbark is like, I've got like six trees left here, you know, I've got these birches and that's it and the rest of them are gone. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel it would it would be revenge pulling him him forward to this cause, not a desire because it's already too late for for it to serve him individually. Mm-hmm. It really seems like they're making quite a distinction between like his trees and this larger cause that he doesn't feel a part of the larger community. So yeah, to your point, is he, you know, there there isn't as much of a, a driver for him to be a part of this larger movement because he's already lost all of the people that he would be serving to protect. Yeah, lots to, lots to think on with that one. So the last place where I saw causes really explicitly in this chapter is on page 90. And this is when the Ents have decided that they're going to Isengard and we get the good whom whom, here we come with a boom, which I love. And they sing this whole song and I'll, I'll just do the first, no, I'm going to do the whole song because it's not that long and we love the rhyming. To Isengard, through Isengard, be ringed and barred with doors of stone. Through Isengard, be strong and hard, as cold as stone and bare as bone. We go, we go, we go to war, to hew the stone and break the door. For a hole and bow are burning now, the furnace roars, we go to war. To land of gloom, with tramp and doom, with roll of drum, we come, we come. To Isengard, with doom we come, with doom we come, with doom we come loved this listened to this chapter as i do and really enjoyed the whole performance by the audio narrator but it got me thinking what the purpose is of chanting and song and how it can sort of rally people around a cause and bring them together and i know we talked about song in season one but it was interesting here thinking of it more as like a protest chant and, and how that is bringing together this group of ends, stating their purpose, and even like giving them a beat to, to move forward on. Yes, I think there are lots of things to be said about songs of protest and songs of community resistance. From my own personal experience, there are two notable themes 
of the songs, again, that I've experienced. One, akin to what the Ents are doing here, is more of a movement-based. So it's a lot of keeping people together, drawing attention to the protest. It's really an act of defiance in both word and in body. The other that I've seen is much more of a energy-rousing, helpful stamina song. As you're occupying a building, or if you are having lots of speakers, and you're standing for long periods, perhaps in weather, right? That there are songs then that become kind of like arousing of the group spirits to help make it possible to continue to occupy that space. But I don't think that's where the Ents are here, but it would be curious to know if they have songs like that, if they needed to march to Isengard and then hold a line somewhere, you know, what would that look like? Well, maybe this song is keeping their, not their bodies roused, but their their minds, you Mm -hmm. know, and helping them focus their very wandering minds mm-hmm. i mean this is the group that lost an entire half of their race they just kind of <laughs> forgot about them and we're like oh, oh yeah where'd they go right like, they might need something actively coming out of their mouth to keep their brains engaged on on this task that they're going to to attempt Yeah, in that regard, it makes me think of not protests at all, but of getting children in elementary school to, like, line up somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, like, the one, two, three, eyes on me kind of thing, where it's, like, rhyming, so it's engaging to them. One, two, eyes on you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it kind of keeps them keeps them together a little bit more. And I think it can be both, right? One, it's Mm -hmm. obviously an act of defiance. It definitely has like a courage inducing vibe Mm -hmm. to it where, you know, we're trying to be brave and do more than we usually would do more quickly than we would do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also just like perhaps culturally, as you say, they do have a tendency to kind of wander off into the weeds of a situation. And so keeping them focused also assures that they're more likely to be successful and honestly probably be safer as a group. Mm-hmm. And I do, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about this, this memory issue that they have, because <laughs> it says directly in the text, well, Treebeard says this about themselves when he's talking about elves are like this, men are like this, they're more changeable like that. And he says that Ents are steadier and keep their minds on things longer. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I don't under, I don't have any proof of that like there Mm -hmm. is nothing showing that they do unless the when he think when he says for they are steadier and keep their minds on things longer he means trees like they keep Mm -hmm. their mind on the trees longer and like the cause the community this forest directly in front of them Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really seem like they can focus on other things outside of that scope Mm -hmm. for like any amount of time well and i think that I would agree with that assessment. I think why that's interesting is, in part, they have a really long memory. So to me, I was considering it like they have this memory of how things originated, and that's where their mind is often. And because there was this bifurcation of the group where Ent wives were doing something different than how the Ent husbands the ent men i'm unclear what the the parallel to that is but the non-ent wives Mm -hmm. uh were very focused on 
one mode of being. And so that became what caught their attention and what stayed their attention, maybe because they felt it hearkened to the origination of them, their roles, the forest. And so then they're like, anything outside of that, we can't remember. Mm-mm. So I don't know that I would qualify it as like short-term versus long-term memory, but there were some parallels in those two memories that we have that reminded me of how the Ents are kind of processing information. Mm-hmm. Hearing you say all that, I do, I do now feel more confident that this song that they sing as they march is, you know, one part rousing them to the call to action yeah call to action and bringing the the group together and is the other part like truly just keeping them focused on Mm -hmm. this is this is what we're doing right now Mm -hmm. listen (laughs) listen to the song (laughs) like it's like um there was a song that they used to have, like, the kindergartners sing, I think, to, like, when they were, like, getting on the bus or, like, going somewhere, be like, this is our, like, walking song. <laughs> did we do like, that? I don't know that we did that, but it was basically exactly that same thing to be like, okay, stay focused. Remember, mm-hmm. don't just, like, toddle on off and do what you need to yes. do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they need one of those long ropes mm-hmm. that have all the handles that you see, like, the preschoolers going on field trip use where they all, all got like their little neon vest and there's an adult mm-hmm. leading them and then they all hold on to the mm-hmm, the long mm-hmm. rope. Mm-hmm. Yes. the I think the song to go to war in Isengard is the equivalent of that community rope. Mm-hmm. Bring them home. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going in a group together. Where's your war yes. buddy? <laughs> well, those were, those were the examples from this chapter that I really saw the theme and wanted to bring it up. Did you have any examples that you wanted us to discuss? No, and I thought your examples were lovely because those were the moments that stuck out to me as well. And I think they've given me a lot to chew on even beyond our discussion today about what it means to be a part of a cause and how can we be pretty mindful about participating in a very conscious and a very Mm -hmm. deliberate way and how do we stay focused on what the task at hand is. Great. So thank you for that discussion, Anna. Uh, shall we do our talking with Tolkien? Yes, let's. Mm-hmm. Talking with Tollers is his mm-hmm. nickname. <laughs> We're going to have a quick little ent moot about our <laughs> quotes. <laughs> yes. Um, I've, I've been discussing much. So how about you go first? Okay, so one that I really loved, and I do think it's either directly in the movie or some form of this is in the movie, but it's on page 63. Treebeard says to both Merry and Pippin, quote, I almost feel that I dislike you both, but do not let us be hasty. (laughs) And I just love this quote because one, it's kind of comical from Treebeard because he doesn't do anything hastily Mm. but also it was a good reminder to me because I'm often a pretty quick judge accurately or not of someone's character and so I this was a good reminder to me to not be so hasty in making decisions about whether I like someone or not yes I like that quote (laughs) then on page 64 I won't read the whole piece but 
Pippin's description of Treebeard's eyes mm, was striking. truly such a beautiful paragraph of writing. It just was, and, and the whole book, well, I mean, the whole series is masterfully written. Hot take. Um, but like, I, there are very few pieces like this where it's like a description of a character that stand out in my mind so clearly or call my attention as I'm reading. And this one was just so stunning and so emotional and so well done that I really wanted to call attention to it. So for me, it starts with, quote, one felt as if there was an enormous well behind them, filled up with ages of memory and long, slow, steady thinking, but their surface was sparkling with the present. And it goes on, but I just, I really loved that start. Yeah, I agree. It's a very immersive description. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yes. Okay, and then my last one that I loved was on page 66. And so again, it's Treebeard talking to Mary and Pippin. And Mary and Pippin have now given Treebeard their names. And Treebeard is responding. So he says, quote, Real names tell you the story of the things they belong to in my language. And I love this quote in particular because I think sometimes we can be really quick to try and assign a name, a nickname to someone whose name is not natural coming out of our mouths or that we struggle to pronounce. But just a reminder that, you know, real names tell you the story of who this person is and to really respect that. Um, and I, I really loved that quote and something that I've been thinking about a lot since I read this chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a good one. I have one that goes right off of that. It's on the opposite page, 67, mm -hmm. where he's talking more about names. Mm -hmm. And Treebeard goes, hill. Yes, that was it. But it is a hasty word for a thing that has stood here ever since this part of the world was shaped. And I thought that was just funny to think <laughs> of things that are older for some reason need longer names. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It checks out, and I support it. I think we should get to add a new name to our name, like, every decade or so that somehow encompasses our new experience. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, in your old age, you would have, like, a seven-word name, and that sounds very dignified. <laughs> I, well, and I like the qualification of Hill as hasty. Yes. <laughs> and I don't quite know. I, I like your interpretation that because it is short, it is hasty. Mm -hmm. I had to wonder, like, okay, well, who named it? Mm -hmm. w was it a hastily made decision? They looked at this, like, lump in the <laughs> earth and was like, that's a hill. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took it to mean that it was short. I like that. And then I have another, another tree beard quote on page 77. When um, he gets a little, he gets heated. And he says, it is easier to shout stop than to do it. <laughs> that was a good one of just, yeah, it's easier It's easier to speak than to do the action. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the ends do very little of either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I got, I got my last one. I like that we each had three. It was a long, it was a long chapter. It was chapter. a long chapter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The last one that I have is Treebeard again. Quote, the treachery of a neighbor who should have helped us. Hmm. So that's a, a segment of him talking about how 
mad he is about Saruman mm-hmm. and that he is right over there and he should be helping us. He is our neighbor and instead we're now dealing with his treachery. Mm-hmm. As someone who only knows the name of two of my neighbors, <laughs> I just felt that. I'm like, oh, I should I should know more about the people who I live by because... They, they are who I will go to if there's ever a real emergency and I need something immediate and vice versa. I hope that they can come to me. Mm-hmm. No neighborly treachery. Right. Very anti-treachery in Very the neighborhood. Very anti-treachery, yes. Well, okay, so those were our quotes. Are you prepared to share with us your action item beyond you know anti-treachery neighborhoods yes my action item is for you to ask someone who is at least 20 years older than you and you know take that as you will but the goal is for you to ask somebody who has significantly more life experience ask them what causes they supported at your age and why or if their opinion has or hasn't changed. And if you are of an age where that is not feasible, ask one of your one of your peers the same question. If there was something that they supported when they were much younger, and why they have or have not changed their mind about that cause. As we all know, and as we talk about a lot on this podcast, community is really built from individual relationships. And I hope that by showing some curiosity and really engaging thoughtfully here with with someone in your life that you'll be able to strengthen that relationship. I think that can also be a really important space to learn what changing your mind looks like, Mm -hmm. what reflection looks like, and to building a relationship with someone who may not be in your immediate life circumstance, I think really creates for rich communities. And um, hopefully you get maybe like a mentor out of that situation or someone you can bounce ideas off of that's you can never have too many of those agreed today's podcast was brought to you by gardening a pastime for ent lives with their own lives our music is by robert zahn and simon dom if you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com can leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts remember to take care of your community stay hydrated and thank you for joining us today in fellowship and he gets he gets so heated that he goes into entish he's like (laughs) the wanton hewing room without even the bad excuse of feeding the fires right yeah i his disdain for the orcs is truly glorious and i love whatever the entish word is it's like room or something mm-hmm. something like that and i just love the idea that it often comes after tolkien writes something like dis disgusted rumbling mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. which is just it's so good yeah it's perfect uh. in fellowship in fellowship